We've been in a series that we're calling I Am Second. And, uh, and it's been awesome. These past three weeks, we've been looking at, at I Am Second, and, and it's, it's, it's worked out really well. We've, we've talked about a bunch of different things, and today we're going to wrap up our series. And so I'm excited to get into it. Uh, the title of my talk today is called Order Matters. Order Matters. Can everybody say Order Matters? If you have your Bibles, would you open them up to John chapter 3, verse 30? All right, so order matters. I want to start off by asking a question today. The first question I want to ask is, um, how many of you guys would say, we're already in the month of August, so we've been eight months into the year of 2018. How many of you guys would say, I look back at this year, and I cannot wait for this year to end? I'm like, uh, like, if this year ended tomorrow, I would be happy. Raise your hands. How many of you guys would say that? Nobody? Everybody's kind of, I got a couple honest hands. Can't wait for 2018 to finish. How many of you guys would say, you know what? 2018 hasn't been that bad. Actually, I got a baby in 2018. It wasn't that bad. It was actually pretty memorable. One of the best years of my life. Would you raise your hand if that's you? Yeah, okay, okay. So I got a few hands. Awesome. So, so I want us to look at, I know we're not done with 2018, but I want, we still have four months left. And I want us to look at, at this year, look back at our lives and, and, and see you know, how there's, even in this room, there were a few people that raised their hand that didn't have, you know, they're saying, man, this year hasn't really been that good. And there's, in this room, there are uh, some folks that have had a good year and some folks that have had a not-so-good year. Some folks had a memorable year, awesome year. Wow, this is awesome. I can't wait. But others have said, well, oh, it's not that been, it hasn't been that good, you know? Um, and so it's funny because we all believe in the same God, most of us. We all believe in the Bible, most of us, and yet we can have these different experiences. Why is that? I want to talk a little bit about that today. Let's read our key verse here today in John chapter 3 verse 30. It's the verse that we've read over and over again in our series and it says, he must become greater, I must become less. So the title of our talk is Order Matters. Did you catch the order in that verse there? The order? He must become, everybody say, order matters. Order matters, you guys. Any of us who are married in the house, we know that order matters. For example, our dishes in the sink. How many of you guys would say, when you dirty a dish, you wash it immediately? Clap your hands. Yes. How many of you would say, when you dirty a dish, you leave it in the sink until there's more, and then you wash it? Clap your hands. I think God just tolerates you guys. I just want to let you know. We have to wash it. No, no, I'm kidding. But in marriage, we have these. I remember my, my um, I, I would, when I lived with my sister, we were roommates for a little while, uh, and I remember saying to her, you don't really want me to see dirty dishes in the sink, do you? And she'd always look at me like all confused, like, is that a trick question? Do you, like, want me to put the dirty dishes on the table, on the counter, just not, a, is that what you're trying to say? I'm like, ah, but order matters. No, when it comes, we, or what about in the dishwasher? How do we stack our dishwasher? Do we just put the dishes, the small cups on the bottom shelf? Everybody say, no, you never do that. You put the small cups on the what shelf? On the top shelf, of course, because what? Order matters order matters how about when we go to the grocery store how many of us here when we go to the grocery store we don't have a shopping list how many of us 
I did that last week, and I ended up buying all this stuff that it was supposed to go in the pantry, but it was really supposed to go in this stomach right here. And I'm like, I, I, but, but I know some of you guys. They go to the grocery store, and you have your lists. And you don't just have your list. You have, like, the blueprint of the grocery store on your phone. And you're like, you only go to the aisles where your grocery that you're going to buy is, that's it. You go straight there. You know how long it's going to take you and everything. You guys, I'm praying for you guys. Um, that's, that's, there's something there. But order matters. It's, it's, it, it matters how you shop, right? Order matters. So when we talk about order matters, my best advice is, What? My best advice is yes, listen to that. Order matters. But, but, but my question is, I, I would offer to us, what is, it, what is it that a life that God blesses, a life empowered by his spirit, is not just about what we offer to God. It's not just what we offer to God, but the order in which we offer it. Not just what we offer, let me say that again. It has to do with I'm learning this, you guys, in this life of faith, that God blesses us not so much about the things in our life that we give to him. We say, okay, God, I'm going to give you this part of my life. I'm going to give you this part of my life. I'm going to give you this part of my life. I'm learning that it has to do in the way in which we do it. I'm going to offer it in the order that best pleases you. So here's the truth. God must be first. We talked a little bit about that Last week, do you remember that? Everybody show me your hand if you were here last week. First what? First God. Yes, we talked about that. He's got to be first. He cannot be anything other than first. When God is first in every area of our lives, the rest of our lives will be filled with order. When he's not first, the rest of our lives will be filled with disorder because order matters. So I want to share a life verse, a little verse. What's a life verse? A life verse for me (coughs) is a verse that I've had over and over again come up in my life that I've taken it as my own, that I've, I've put it in different places on books, on my computer, on different areas to remind me over and over again that this is the way I need to live. And this life verse, I shared it last week, and it was Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Here, here are the words of Christ. He says, but seek what? He says, but seek First, God's kingdom and his righteousness. And then all these things will be added to you as well. And so how do we do that? How do we put our lives in the right order? Today, we're going to look at four things. Everybody say four things. Four things that we can do before we do other things. We talked last week about what. Today, we're going to talk about the how. Okay, how do we put things in order? I want to introduce you to a Hebrew word. The Hebrew word is called berashit. Everybody say berashit if you can. Berashit. What Hebrew word? It's one Greek word, and it's three English words. Berashit. It, the, the, the word in Greek, actually, it's, the, it's named after a book in the Bible. Berashit are the three words, are actually the first three words in the Bible. Anybody know what it is? In the beginning. In the beginning. Berashit. In the beginning. We're going to talk about this, as we, especially as we look at our lives and as we try to allow God to become greater and us to become less. We're going to apply this in our lives. And I believe it will not just change the last four months that we have of 2018, you guys. I believe it's going to change the rest of our lives if we can get this. So if you're taking notes, 
because order matters, we're going to start with number one. What do we do before anything, each day that we wake up, Yes, before we get going on our day, right at the beginning of the, of the day, Berashit, at the beginning, write this down, we're going to seek God. You saw my notes, good job. We're going to seek God. And we talked a little bit about this last week. We talked a little bit about, about talking about the when. But this is at the beginning, the beginning of the day. We're going to pursue a moment with the creator. Businesses, business people, they call it the golden hour, the first hour of the day, the first 20 minutes of the day. Now, I, I don't want you guys to become all ritualistic and legalistic, like what happens if nature calls? Well, you guys, if nature calls, then obey the call of nature, right? You go to the bathroom if you have to, right? What if you're like, man, I really got to brush my teeth because I got rank breath? Well, listen... God doesn't want you to give him rank breath when you pray to him. So brush your teeth. It's all right. You know, if you're here today, you're like, but I, what if I need a good cup of java, right? My cafe bustelo in the morning. I just need it in the morning. Hey, that's good. Go get yourself that cup of coffee. But the idea is that nothing significant happens. You're not involved in too long of a conversation with anyone else before at the beginning you seek God. Look at the words. I love this picture in Psalm chapter 63, verse 1. It says, Oh God, you are my God. <clears throat> Early will I seek you. You see that? Time matters. Early will I, priority matters. Order matters. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. <clears throat> in the Gospels, <clears throat> what are the Gospels? Matthew, <clears throat> excuse me, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. <clears throat> In all the Gospels, you see Jesus doing all these miracles. He's preaching the multitudes. He's healing the sick. He's doing all this kinds of stuff. But there's another activity that Jesus does in all four Gospels that sometimes we tend to overlook. And you know what it is? That he seeks God. And many times in those Gospels, not only do we know that he seeks God, he takes time to get away, but we also know when he does this. Look at Mark. The scripture in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, it says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, he left the house, and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Before anyone was awake, before the sun rose in the east, you guys, before nature and creation woke up and the birds were singing and the, the, the roosters were crowing, the Son of Man, he needed to connect to his Father and to get empowered by the presence of his Father before he started his day. So you guys, if the Son of God needed to do that, how much more us who are not that Jesus need that to connect with our Heavenly Father? How much more do we need it? Now, I'm not saying that you can't pray at lunch or read some scriptures in the afternoon or in the evenings. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that right at the beginning, there's something special about getting that first of our day that sets the tone for the rest of the day. It matters, and it will change us, you guys. If the first of the day, I'm going to seek God, I'm going to seek God. I still remember the day when I came home from a mission trip to the Dominican Republic and I apologized to my wife, and I said, babe, I am so sorry. I have not led you well in this area. 
And what am I talking about? I'm talking about praying with my wife, which, by the way, ever since I've been doing that, that's like the advice I give every pre-marriage couple that I do, any pre-marriage counseling that I do. I'm always, look, look, if you forget everything else, we've been meeting for weeks, blah, blah, talking about all this stuff, communication, fine, but if you forget everything else I say, remember this one thing, because I learned it on this mission trip. I had a conversation with a missionary. There was a very short conversation, but that conversation has stayed with me since, years and years ago, and it stayed with me. And he told me this. He said, Abdi, the couple that prays together, guess what? Stays together. And that's the couple. And, and whenever I, I do marriage counseling and people are going at it, I said, look, 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 we're going to talk about these issues, but the most important thing you need to know and I'll ask him, do you pray with your wife? Do you pray for Do you pray for your husband? Do you pray with your husband? I, I, I cannot emphasize this enough. If you forget everything I say today <laughs> and you're married, I want to tell you, do not forget that. Pray with your spouse. It has changed. I, I went to Marie. I told her, babe, I am so sorry I have not led you in that area. I've failed in that for some reason. And, you know, I've noticed that we've been married 10 years, and I've noticed that, that the devil, something that the devil wants to do, the enemy of our soul, tries to keep us from praying together. It is unbelievable how challenging it is to pray with my spouse every day. You have no idea. It's, it, it is very challenging. The enemy doesn't want us to. Because when you start praying together, guess what? All these issues that you have, you got to talk about because you can't be praying, God bless this person when you're like, right? It's really hard. And so I just want to encourage you guys to do that, to pray together. It will, it, will it will impact, I believe, you guys, I really believe it has impacted everything in my wife and I's life. Our marriage, our, every area aspect of our life has been impacted because we have prayed together. Because we've prayed, we've taken some time, and we've sought the Lord in the morning. We've done it. We've and it's nothing magical. and doesn't have to be long. There's power in it, though, you guys. There's so much power in it when we put them first. So if you didn't write it down, write it down. Seek God first. Number two, if you're taking notes, is that we're going to worship. So at the beginning of the day, we're going to seek God. Number two is at the beginning of the week, we're going to worship not only are we going to worship ourselves, we're going to worship, we're, not only are we going to worship God ourselves, I'm going to make sure, <laughs> make sure you understood that part, but we're going to worship collectively, we're going to worship together, we're going to worship communally, we're going to do it right at the Berashit, at the Genesis, at the beginning, the Greek word is Genesis, the Hebrew word is Berashit, Acts 20 verse 7, the Bible says, on the first day of the week, the church came together to break bread. Here's a shocking statistic, church. A survey recently conducted about American church uh, goers says that 48% of everyone that calls themselves a church, uh, a Christian, calls themselves a churchgoer in America, attends church less than once a month. Less than once a month, 48%. Now, I know some of us are here saying, man, I'm so glad that at DV, we don't fit that statistic. <laughs> well, I just want to tell you that we have kids checking in the back. And so we know when uh, most people come and don't come, we can tell. And guess what it says? That you're, we're in that 
all right? We are 50% of the folks that call us home come less than once a month. The other 50% come a little more. Congratulations. But when we look at the book of Acts, at the genesis of the church, we see something very, very different. The Bible says that the church, they devoted themselves to this, the apostles teaching to the breaking of bread, to the fellowship and to prayer. I love that word, devoted themselves. It goes on to say that they ate and they met together with glad and sincere hearts. Let's look at it. It says, every day, did you guys catch that word there? Every day, can everybody say every day? Every day, not once a month, people, not once a month. Every day, the Bible says, they met together in the temple courts like this, in in a corporate gathering of worship. And then from house to house, not unlike a small group, you know, every day they met together. And as a result, Scripture says that the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So why do you think there's such a drastic difference between every day and less than once a month? Why do you guys think that? Why do you think there's such a difference? Well, I'm, I'm, super, really, I'm super busy. I just, I got a lot of things going on. Once a month is about all I can do. Every day. Why do you think there's such a difference? I don't believe that those people in the early church were any more holier than we were. Uh-uh. I think they were more honest than we are about how desperately we need each other. I met a family that came to Doral Vineyard, and they were coming, and when they came to our church, they were the product of somebody inviting them to come. And they started coming, and they had, you know, some addictions, they had some issues, and, and we, you know, we made ourselves available, we started loving on them and serving them, they started getting involved and, 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 and coming, you know, routinely, weekly, we started getting close to that every day that the book of Acts talks about, started serving frequently, and, 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 and so it, that idea of every part of our life revolves around this community of faith they call home. So somewhere along the line, this family, they had a setback, <clears throat> And things went poorly. And they were embarrassed to share about it. And so what did they do? They just kind of disappeared off the radar. They stopped coming. And, And it was some time ago that I saw them come through the front doors of our church. And one of them, as soon as they walked in, tears started running down their face. And they said, Pastor Abdi, I didn't realize how much I needed this in my life. I didn't realize how much I needed this church in my life. And I just, if I can be really honest with you guys, I think that's, that's, that's an issue for us. Where we would just be honest enough to say, you know what, I need you. We need, we're better together, and I need you, and you need me, and this is not just a value that I add to my week, and it makes me a better person. No, our soul needs what is happening right now. Your soul needs it. So does mine. We get connected. It's not a suggestion. It's a priority. The author of the book of Hebrews says it this way, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. When? Berashit, at the genesis of the week, at the beginning. No one or nothing gets my time until I've had it with the Lord. I seek him early in the morning, I seek him at the beginning of the week, 
And if you want the third one, write this down. If you're taking notes, at the beginning of the month, we worship God with our generosity. You can write that down. We worship God with our generosity. Look at this. Leviticus, and this is awesome. Check this out. Scripture says that one of the ways that we can be generous is with our tithe. Everybody say a tithe. Of, okay, it says there, every, a tithe, right? Of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is what, you guys? What does it say? It is holy to the Lord. A tithe, a tenth, the first tenth. And it's not even just 10% of my income, church. Did you guys see what it says there? It says, of what? Everything, right at the beginning. Remember what I said? That God must be first, not just a part of my finances, not just a part of my time. He must be the very first thing. We put our money where our mouth and where our intentions are when we do it. And when we do it, the rest of our life is filled with order and provision and blessing. If you show that verse back up there in Leviticus, it's there. Good. Not only is it a tithe, not only is it the Lord's. Do you see that? It belongs. It's a possessive word there. It says it belongs to the Lord. Let that mess with you for a little bit. It belongs to the Lord. And then he goes the extra mile and he says it is holy to God. So if you were here last week, I mentioned to you guys that my in-laws were coming in this week. Do you guys remember that? Some of you that were here, you remember that? Well, they're here, and they made it to church today. Would you guys wave over here? Wave your hands over here so everybody knows who my in-laws are. Those are my in-laws over there, Beda and Miriam. That's Marie's parents, and we love them. We love them. We're so, we're so glad they're here. Um, but I want to tell you guys something about them. They do this. This tithe thing, they do this. And they've been doing this for years. They've been do they taught their kids this. Marie, Marie grew up saying, I never knew it was a choice. I just knew I had to do this when I got paid. I just did it. I, it's not even a question for me. I know for some of us here, we're like, it's a little bit hard to kind of wrap our minds around. But Marie grew up thinking, no, this is what I do with my money. The first 10% goes to God. It's just what I do. And, and so I, they could tell you, they could come up here and tell you stories after stories of how God has blessed them in their lives. But I want to share just one. I want to share just one. They have three girls. Three girls. All three girls, they came from Panama. They were, you know, after the invasion, the American invasion, they left. Their lives were, they had to start from zero here in the United States. From zero. Everybody say from zero. Some of us, we were immigrants, not me, but there are some here who were immigrants who had to start from zero. You know what that's like. You know what that's like. You start from zero. They started from zero. And they tried to do the best they could, but they never stopped tithing. They never stopped being generous with their monies, with the Lord. And all three girls, they graduated from high school, not only went to high school, they got all three girls, went to, got full-ride scholarships to very prestigious universities in the United States. Full-ride scholarships. And they go back and they say, you know why? It's because God taught us this principle about giving, about tithing, about being generous with who we are. You guys, that's remarkable. Can you guys clap for that? What is that about? That's because they were obedient in that. It's awesome. They believe it. They had this sense that this is holy. It's not mine to spend. 
And I know for some of us, like I said, it's a little bit hard to wrap, it's a stretch for us. It was for me, I'll just tell you. It was for me, wrap my mind around it. When I became a follower of Jesus, but I deeply, deeply believe that when we do this, when we put them at the beginning, it will change our life. And you might be listening, you might be saying, well, Pastor Abdi, 10% of my, my that's a lot of money. 10% of my tithe, like, wait a minute, do you realize that you're saying, you want me to do this before I pay any bill? Like, do you understand that I would have to, like, rearrange my whole entire, how I spend my finances, my whole entire life so that I could do, do you realize that? And I would say, yes. Why? Because order matters. That's the whole point of this, this series. That's the whole point of this message. The order matters. Yes, I am asking you to rearrange your whole and put God at the sheet at the beginning, where he belongs in every area of our lives. We choose to rearrange everything. And I know a family, I want to share about this, that does this. This family, they own a company. And it's pretty unbelievable, and I'm not saying you guys all have to do this, but I just want to share this because you might be here, and you might be thinking, well, I kind of do this already. Okay, well, let's raise the bar a little bit higher, <laughs> all right? So this family, they, it's, it's pretty amazing. So what they do is they have this company, and their, their fiscal year is different than like a normal calendar year, like December for us would finish 2018, right? For them, it starts in October, ends in September. And so what they do is they look at right around September, they start making their projections, forecasting what is going to be their revenue for the following fiscal year. And they look at that, and you know what they do? They set their tithe aside right then and there, 100% of their tithe, and they give it. Before they made any money, they give their tithe ahead of time. And when we talk to them, they're like, hey, this is how we spell faith, R I. S-K. We're not really sure, but he's never let us down before. You give your, that's, it's a different, I'm not saying we all should do that, or, but I love the idea. I love the concept. It's, it's, it's a challenge for us. And when we do that, you guys, how do you think God reacts when he sees his children saying, even before you bless me, God, I'm going to go ahead and take the step. Even before you assure me that there's a step right there, I'm just going to go ahead and step. I think it inclines his heart towards us when we do that. I think he notices, wow, this one is like really for me. Like he's willing to jump, like even though he doesn't, wow, that's, that's pretty awesome. All right? Uh, and so lastly, you can write this down. Right? So we do what? We seek God right at the beginning of the what? Help me out. The day, we're going to worship God right at the beginning of the what? Week. And then we're going to give generously right at the beginning of the, of the month. Now, you might, you know, beginning of the month, you might, eh, whenever you get paid, right? That's the idea, right? At the beginning of when you get paid. That's the idea. Lastly, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Right at the beginning of the year, we offer a fast. Now, we don't do this as a church normally, but I want to invite us into this this year. And you might be saying, well, why are you talking about it now? Because I want us to get us ready. January is coming in four months, and I would love to invite us into a church-wide fast for 21 days. Why 21? 
because it's more than 20. I don't know. I just thought, 21 days. Let's just fast for 21 days. And it could be anything you want. Now, I want to talk a little bit about what fasting is. But before I do, I do want to talk to you about some rules about fasting. Number one rule about fasting is that it is not fast. I don't know why they call it fasting. It is very slow. Fasting is slow. But anyway, and it hurts. But it's okay. The Bible actually has three examples of people who fasted for 40 days. Do you guys know who they are? Number one is Jesus, went to the desert, right? He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And then there's Moses who was fasting on the mountain when he got the Ten Commandments. And then there was Elijah who fasted for 40 days. I'm not saying 40, but I'm saying let's fast. So the first rule is that it is not fast. It's always in your face. It's constant and it's very slow. The second rule of fasting is that we want to be joyful when we fast. Look at this verse in Matthew chapter 6. It says, but when you fast... Put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not only be obvious, so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. Your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. It's something that we offer to God with joy. I got to tell you that fasting changes us. There's does something to us. It, it, it's changed. And let me tell you, I've been here two years almost, officially, unofficially. And I'll tell you, it's changed our church. Fasting has changed. We've done this in our church in the past two years. It's changed what God has been doing through our church. Fasting is one of the most misunderstood concepts in the Bible because if you're new to this whole new thing, you might be saying, okay, I'm supposed to deny myself food and somehow this grumpy, hungry, hangry person is supposed to love God more, right? I know it doesn't really make sense and how this blesses God, but let me explain it like this. Paul, in the book of Galatians chapter 5, we see this. Now, this scripture has nothing to do with fasting, but I think it explains fasting better than many of the other passages in the Bible about fasting. So here it is. Check it out. In Galatians 5, verse 16, Paul said, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. He says, look, I need you to understand. I need you to walk by the Holy Spirit that I've imparted into you, that lives inside of you, so that you will not fulfill the desires of your flesh. And he goes on to say, for the flesh desires, or it hungers, for what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is contrary to the flesh. And he ends the verse by saying this, for they are in conflict with each other some some translations say they are at war with each other so i'm pretty confident that everyone hearing this verse okay they're they're thinking in their minds they they can kind of understand and experience that tension that happens between our flesh and the holy spirit that lives inside of us our flesh wants to do something and the holy spirit wants us to do something else what's our flesh it's what our physical bodies want it's what our sinful nature desires. It's this natural crave, the flesh. The spirit is the Holy Spirit within us. Both of them are hungry, right? We gotta feed one. We gotta choose to feed one or the other. And the question is, which one are we gonna feed? You think about it, right? Why do we wanna fast? Because we wanna deny our fleshly appetite. And what it wants is for the sole purpose of feeding what the Holy Spirit wants in our lives. The Bible says that we're called to lead spirit-led lives. So how on earth are we going to live a spirit-led life if all we do is feed our flesh, our craving? We do whatever we want to, whenever we want to. 
Don't miss this, you guys. Whatever we feed will grow. And whatever we grow will become dominant. If we feed our flesh and anything it wants, we will be led uh, by all of our lives, the entirety of our lives, by what we want, by what our flesh wants. But if we deny the flesh and we feed the Spirit, what does the Spirit long for? It longs for intimacy with the Father. It longs for knowing Jesus. It longs for worshiping, to live a life of obedience and faith. So when we feed the Spirit, the Spirit grows. And now we are led and empowered completely and solely by the Spirit. This is what, this is the reason why we fast, okay? So as a group of people, we don't just fast to, you know, deny food. We, we fast to profess a faith in God. And when that happens, we, it's like we feel propelled by Him. God gives us this extra oomph to be able to live this life led by God's Spirit. Now, I know that January is four months away, and you're like, wow, I hope you're going to talk about this again because I'm going to forget. Don't worry. We can start today. Let's start today. Let's start a fast today. I know some of you guys were thinking, what were you going to eat for lunch after church? Forget about it. No, okay, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But I do want to invite you into a, a form of fasting today. You can say yes to this right now a form of fasting. Now, different people deny themselves different things. In the Bible, it's always nutrition, okay? And so I'm not saying you, you, but I want to encourage you to do nutrition, some type of food. I'm going to do, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. I'm going to fast from meat, the ribs, the steaks, the pork. I love you all. Let's have a moment of silence for the fish as well. I'm going to say goodbye, at least to the end of the month. Join me in some form of fat, whatever it is. It doesn't have to be meat, but I'm going to do meat. Uh, and we're just going to do it to the end of the month, and we're just going to see what happens. Let's just see what God does in our lives, in our church's life. Let's just see what happens when we create a space for God to move in our lives. I'm excited that our craving for God will be more. I'm excited that when we deny ourselves, uh, that I pray that every time we have a crave for, for me, it's gonna be for meat, for like a hot dog or anything, a hamburger, I'm gonna be like, God, help me to crave you this badly. Help me to like crave getting filled with the Holy Spirit this badly. That's what I'm going to pray for. So as you say yes today to this fast, whatever it is, whatever nutrition you're going to deny yourself from, I'm going to encourage and pray for you as well. So let me just close with this one clarification before we end. All right, church? And that's this. I believe that God wants us to live more faith-filled lives. I believe he does. I I believe he wants us to live more God-empowered lives lives for the rest of this year of 2018 and for the new one coming up in 2019 and for the rest of our lives he wants us to live lives full uh, overflowing with the spirit of god in our lives like we never have before okay i believe that but i think what we need to recognize is that this idea of putting god at the beginning that we've been talking about the truth is we really don't put god at the beginning we don't you know why because he's already there. He's already there. And he's always been there. Before we were created, he was there. Before humanity said yes to sin, God was already creating a redemptive plan of how to salvage and rescue human beings. 
He was there at the beginning, before the earth was created. The Bible says the supreme power God was there. He was before all things, the scripture says, right? So he was already there. So we don't really need to put God in the beginning. It's not what we do. What we're saying is that it's, we're recognizing that he's already at the beginning, and then we're just going to align ourselves, every aspect of our lives, to the order of creation. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew 6. He says, I'm going to seek you first. I'm going to place you first because I recognize you've always been first. The rest of my life will be full of power, of peace, of clarity, of provision. When I put you, all these other things, the scripture says, will be added to us as well. That's what happens with a group of people that place God where he already is. We place him in recognition, oh God, you are already here at the beginning. Berashit, because order matters. Would you bow your heads and let me pray with you today? Thank you, God. Father, we're so grateful for your goodness here and for this place and for, for a place to safely explore the claims of Christ and for this life of faith. And just in an attitude of prayer today, I ask that you would give us just a posture of honesty right now. Honesty with yourself. Just of where you are actually are, in what place you're actually at right now in your life with God in regards to order, because order matters.